Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. This is the Zookeeper podcast where we take you behind the scenes talking to professionals in the industry about their stories, words of wisdom and journey so far to get to where they are today, really showing you what it takes to be a zookeeper. All views throughout the podcast shared are of those speaking alone and in no way reflect the collections they work for. So please come along for the journey, enjoy the ride and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. My name's James Ness, I'm your presenter, and today we're talking all about organisations within the industry and who better to talk to about than Terry Hill. Welcome, Terry, to the show. Thank you very much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Now, if you want to introduce to the lovely listeners exactly who you are, where you come from and what position you hold. So I am Terry Hill. I come from a private uh, wild equid facility just outside of Bristol, and I am the membership secretary to ABWAC amongst other things for my sins <laughs> exactly that and, and abwrack is where we're very much going for this podcast but i guess before we get going i'm sure the listeners would like to know a little bit more about yourself a bit more about about your journey your background and, and how you found yourself in an organization effectively leading the way so are there any stepping stones any any keystone moments to, to get into where you are today yeah i, I think my, the biggest thing i can say is that i'm i'm 48 now i left school at 15 with one gcsc um, I then found myself interested in zebras. I asked quite a lot of questions. I, I wanted a book that, to compare equids to different equids, wild equids, domestics. There isn't a book. I taught myself to read scientific papers, something I didn't think I was ever going to be clever enough to do. I went back to Sparshaw and studied a foundation degree course on zoo resource management. I went to a lot of meetings. I kept going to a lot of meetings. I kept talking to a lot of people. I bought a lot of beer and I drank a lot of wine. Um, and I would say that's probably my biggest tips is to keep going, show your dedication. If you're really passionate, don't give up. And then I happened to be at a meeting, sat around a breakfast table with Ross Snip and Jana Kooling. And they were talking about Abwax. And I found myself putting my hand up to take over the role as membership secretary and trying to put my hand down at the same time thinking, this, don't do this, don't, don't, don't do this. And then I'm going, I can do that. I can do that. And that was about, I think, six or seven years ago now. Yeah, it's, it's quite, quite a journey. And you, you touched on it yourself. But for anyone listening, looking back at your younger self, do you have any advice for the industry? Yeah, never give up. And, and don't. it's easy for me to say I'm not a particularly shy person. So I'll, I'll go and have a chat to anybody, the person who's on their own or the person's in a group or someone's name that I've seen mentioned. But most people in the zoo world are really approachable, even if they're shy, even if they're brash, um, they're approachable. And if you have a question, go and ask it. No questions too daft. I stopped taking photographs of animals and started taking photographs of hinges on gates and enrichment devices and, and all things that become geeky. And that's kind of how I, I move forward, really. I started to get to know about my specific animal and what I wanted to do and I was a bit selfish you know I went out there and I got what I wanted to get at the same time as being lovely to everyone else because the industry is full of amazing people who were all really really happy to share you know zoo directors that started as a zookeeper that it's not a, a great and powerful and you have to go in with seven degrees going with hard work perseverance and you crack on totally totally and obviously it is a a, a very in-depth industry which is um it's got an abundance of nice and and very a wealth of knowledge i guess to pass around which is 
is great. And, and that leads us into exactly why we're here. And that is, and I'm going to open the can of worms now, Terry. So it's over to you. Tell us, what, what actually is ABWAC? So ABWAC, the Association of British and Irish Wild Animal Keepers. And we are a membership organisation. And all of our members, two membership types, main membership types, associates for students and professionals for those that work within the industry. And there's such a breadth of different jobs within the industry. It encompasses such a wealth of knowledge. And we're here to provide workshops, the symposium. Uh, Our website has got a huge amount of knowledge and, and data on it that is accessible to everybody Um, who joins and is a member and we're all encompassing we've got such a great board of council members with again right from zookeepers to curators to your boss Darren Beasley head of Longley everybody knows Darren from Animal Park again the most approachable gentleman that you're going to come across and we'll, we'll answer questions Interestingly enough, the first Abwax symposium I ever went to, and I can't remember where it was, we were in a lift in the hotel and I got in the lift and Darren was in the lift and there were two other girls in the lift and we went up a floor and Darren got out and then the doors closed and went up and these two girls went, oh, that was Darren Beasley. I was just chuckling to myself. I've met Darren because I've managed to cut my teeth at quite a lot of equid stuff with um, Andy Hayton and Keith Harris who used to work at Longleat. So I'd done a lot of work with Longley and, I, and I'd met Darren before that. So I did find it sort of quite jovial with um, people that are really keen. And, and those two girls, if they just said to Darren, excuse me, um, you know, are you Darren Beasley or could I ask you a question? He, he would have been just um, as approachable as the next person that you want to ask a question. And that's that's the personalities that we've not only got on council, but as members of ABWAC, people that want to share their knowledge and want to gain knowledge. Amazing. With regards to, you spoke about how you indirectly put your hand up for it. What what made you actually, what, what made you want to be on the ABWAC board? I wanted to be as involved in the zoo industry as I could be as a private keeper. Um, there aren't very many of us there, or, or should I say there aren't very many that have got I'd like to think I've got a fair amount of respect within the zoo industry and I've worked hard and I've nearly always put the animals in the industry first. I didn't realise when I started how many people were going to be emailing the likes of Bayaza or Abwax saying, do you know where I can buy a penguin? Do you know where I can get a lion? I I, I want a cheetah. Uh, those kinds of things. There are loads. There are loads because I get past all of the wild equity things. Uh, can I buy a zebra? And anyway, the answer is yes, you can by zebra but there are all all these hoops that you have to jump through first and you have to do it properly so I've I've got a fair old I think I've got a bit of respect and and I wanted to be involved in the industry and I wanted to give back to an industry that had already given me so much with the knowledge they'd shared with me and Abwak just seemed to be a really good place to get involved with zookeepers of all levels um, that were hungry to know more and to engage with each other um, to share knowledge on workshops and uh, social media platform and just, you know, social meetings as well uh, and just befriend each other to, to drive forward. So I, that's how I wanted to get involved. I wanted to give back what I could. No, sounds sounds great. And obviously you've alluded to the board um, and the, the bodies that make it up. What what do they represent as an entity? Obviously you talked about Abwak as a whole, but as a collective, how, how do you guys push forward to to get your mission completed? Well, I, I talk a lot and um, and I probably talk over people a lot and, and probably annoy people a lot. So, um, I'm yeah, 
as a board, we work very well together. The personalities are very um, mixed. There are some quieter people. There are some incredibly loud and brash people like myself who will always give my opinion, normally always apologising for it as well. Um, and, and we share. So we, we initially we have lots of emails that go through. We now have a monthly Zoom meeting where we just try and catch up and, and pass around any information that's happened. We all have a different role within um, the association and within the council. So we have, at the moment, we have two co-chairs, Sam Whitbread, who is at Chessington, Darren Beasley, who's obviously Longleat. And then we have um, our vice chair, who is Yana, who's at Twycross. And then um, Nick is our treasurer. He is up at Chester. So, uh, uh, and then we, you know, not all big zoos. So those are big zoo names that I've mentioned then. But Maxine is with us and she is up at um, Northumberland Zoo. And then James Cork with, with us and he is at Paradise and, and has a, a breadth and a wealth of support from that zoo. Um, Michael Knight, who's up at Fife, you know, tiny, small zoo again. Vicky is at Port Lim. And, and I think that the most important thing to becoming on council is that you have support from your institution that they allow you the time to put into ABWAC, to put back into the industry um, from meetings to hold meetings. You know, we went to the Isle of Wight, um, to Lucy Manor, where Lucy works. Uh, we went to her last year for a meeting. So we travel around and try to geographically spread ourselves around for meetings. And those zoos give us their facilities for free um, to hold a meeting and then or buy biscuits and cakes and um, drink coffee and 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 chew the fat and try to organize things sounds great and it's it's organizing obviously for the industry and for our greater good hopefully um so it's uh all, all for the bettering of us now I, I, we're kind of alluding to this a lot and we're going to keep circling around this but so what does what what does Abwak do within the industry what does it stand for and, and what actually is it putting into practice to to spread the knowledge to 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 help keepers i think the the biggest thing that we're well known for and and i i'm going to touch on copied on as well actually is our workshops we provide brilliant workshops led by keepers for keepers to enhance the knowledge of everything from nutrition to husbandry um the welfare side of things uh, try to hold them at locations that have the animals that we are talking about in question We've got a penguin workshop that I noticed today is sold out. Um, coming up, Hannah runs some workshops. Hannah also looks after our grants. And so we've got money to give away, which we must say lots and lots because people don't apply for it enough. But workshops is what we do, and we do it brilliantly. We have got two new types of workshops that we're going to hold this year. That are Normally, our workshops are capped at around £30, so they're really affordable. Now, we've got two that are going to be specialist workshops. One is large animal rescue and one is mock rock workshop where you will actually come home with a mock rock or mock tree stump. Um, but you will have, it's a two-day workshop, so you will have skills. They're going to be more expensive workshops, but you're going to actually have skills that you're going to come back with and not just be personally useful for yourself, but for your collection as well. And hopefully there's an awful, a, a big push towards CPD as well now so continued personal development people having to, the zoos having to get behind their staff and put a little bit more in and enhance their skills and this i mean the mock rock for a start that's a massive bonus 
it's going to be a small amount of people on a workshop where you are going to learn some huge skills, which could in turn save your zoo a fortune on having to get somebody in to do it because you're going to have that skill. Totally, totally. And you've answered about workshops. There is one other date in, in especially my calendar, but everyone else's, and that's the the lovely symposium, um, which we've obviously just had earlier in the year at Yorkshire. Next year, um, it is very much um, the the talk of the town, um, as it were. But what what is for anyone listening who who hasn't been to one before is thinking about it or, or has no idea about it. What is the point to the symposium and why is next year so special? Well, I think the first thing is someone asked me the other day, what's a symposium? And I was like, well, it's kind of like a conference, you know. So it's it, it, we, we max out at 250. We had 250 zoo industry people uh, at Yorkshire Wildlife Park back at the beginning of March. Next year, we're going to ZSL and we will celebrate ABWAC's 50th year. We are having the founder member is going to be with us which is uh, really exciting for us. And we've got some really good things up our sleeves and we keep developing those. So you come, you get to mix with other zoo folk. You, you know, you do have to push yourself out there and go and speak to people. You listen to different topics. Some you will find really interesting because they are your topic. Uh, other things that you will think, my gosh, I, I didn't know I was interested in that. And it will take your interest. You'll always gain um, knowledge and different people give talks and at different levels of people will give talks. So there's always something you can take from it. Uh, you also get a social evening, which is great. A raffle, uh, normally lots of coffee, cake. That always comes into it. Someone along the line always makes sure that there's cake. And uh, we obviously sell Abwrap merchandise. Next year, we will have some great 50th year um, one-off specials. So that always goes down really well. The merchandise this year went really well. And it's a chance to come and speak to people and mix and network. I've always find that word very cold. Network, it, it doesn't really sound as good as what it is, but but you're networking with the same type of people that like talking about the same things that you do, that are very happy being geeks. I think when I was at school, if you called me a geek, I would have thought it was really weird. Now I'm really proud to be a, an eccentric geek. No, very much so. It is a as a community, and it's very much that one time we can all come together. And uh, you're exactly right. It's, it's over that beer or alcoholic beverage, which generally work actually gets done rather than the the learning process. So uh, yeah, it's a great great one, which I recommend fully as well. So I guess this leads on to that overall question: is is Abwak as a whole, the symposium, the workshops, Abwak in its entirety, aimed at all levels, whether that be student, keeper or, or manager? Is it for everyone or is it just simply for the starting level? It was absolutely for everyone. And that's where we are at the moment, concentrating on broadening our horizons ourselves. So we have got a, an associate um, arm and Andy, who's up at Mayfield Alpacas, he's taking over the associate side of things uh, and going out to students and also going out to lecturers as well so that they've got some support and specific workshops put on for those. Right down to one of your guys from Longleat is your registrar is delivering a record keeping workshop. And we're doing that on two levels. So we're doing that to associates so they get to understand what it is and how important it is to put those records to those animals in or how to give your records keeper the information required and why they require it. And we've got one for keepers as well. So the keepers don't feel that they're being overtaken by the associates and the associates don't feel that they are being intimidated by keepers sometimes because that does happen. So we're definitely covering those. And then again, with our slightly more advanced workshops, we are covering um, 
sometimes more junior keepers for the mock rock. You might send a junior keeper who's keen as mustard. It might be a senior manager who wants to go in um, and learn how to build termite mounds. But yeah, we definitely have got enough knowledge and enough um, information to share for it to be everything from associates, college students, as long as you're over 18 at the moment, and right up through to the likes of David Field, who was our president, and Doug Richardson, who is a zoo legend. They are members. Um, Stephen Woolard, who, you know, who's a zoo educator, in it almost from the start, and in his almost an abwack historian. So, yeah, we've got a real breadth of age, knowledge, um, and, and and different abilities within us. Great to hear that it is it is tackling all levels, and that leads perfectly into what we call the big questions on this podcast. Now, it's something where an array of questions which are asked within the industry, and, and we'll see how we we go, Terry. There are a um, whole array of areas we've touched on the first one already, and that is. Do you feel like Abrac's touching on all levels? And I guess to expand off what you've just said is why is looking into the likes of the student level rather than simply the trainee level so important? Why is it so important to get that that younger generation already on board? That That's our future. That That's where our, our next uh, lot of, of staff are coming from. And that's where our, our passion needs to come from. We, we have to keep going. People are going to retire. People are going to be employed. Hopefully we'll have an industry of growth as well. So we're going to keep going along those lines. So we definitely want those really enthusiastic students that want to come in uh, and want to learn. No, totally, totally. And obviously they're coming into an industry, and this leads us on to number two, that is changing. You know, the, the government guidelines, the the state of, of basically are changing the, the way our license is, is organised, whether it be through education, conservation. Obviously with the, the changing of the Secretary of State, the, the zoo licence is, is very much moulding the way the zoos have to approach life, whether that be with conservation, education, you name it, there's over 100 pages of the stuff currently getting critiqued and looked at. With regards to this and, and the change which is coming both to zoos but also the zookeeper's life, does that have to, and, and how is it adapting Abwak's approach slash its, its way of doing it itself? I think Abwak are quite excited by that because one of the big parts was for continual professional development and keepers that have to go on and, and, and keep learning and keep advancing themselves and, and looking after their own knowledge as well. And moving forward, because everything moves forward, we, we find new training methods, um, you know, positive reinforcement is, is quite in the news at the moment and, and everybody is, is wanting to either try it or has started trying it by ours certainly um have a, a massive part to play in that so we have to keep pushing ourselves forward so that alone for abwak you know delivering the workshops that we deliver and the zoos having to be behind their keepers and support them we find that quite exciting because it means that people are going to be more positive, more proactive and want more of our workshops. I guess on, on the next question, it's looking at the whole array. Zookeeping, as you've touched on, it isn't one role. It isn't simply that old school, stereotypical poo picking job. It is now in the modern day, a variety of roles, whether it be nutritionist through to behaviourist, but also, and this is where I'm going to go with this question, a whole array of taxonomic areas, whether that be your, your reptiles, your mammals, your birds and so on. Is Abwak a, a, an avenue for all? Does it accommodate all or is it only for certain taxonomic areas? No, we try really hard to um, not be mammal heavy. It's really easy to be mammal heavy because 
they're the big dynamic creatures that everybody um not everybody but uh, sometimes more than majority um find it really passionate about you know like my passion is wild equids so that's where if i'm sat on council i lead but we do have a real breadth of knowledge across um abwak for different taxonomic areas reptiles um small mammals um rewarding native stuff and we're trying to cover all of it we can't possibly cover all of it but we try and give a, a decent section of it if we can yeah no totally totally and we're on that final question of the big questions terry you'll be happy to know you nearly survived it we're, we're nearly there but we're gonna end on <laughs> end on the big firework anyone who's listened to this podcast so far will have started to get used to this question and that does link to america and that is uh through a demographic survey they've done within their keeping staff now within that keeping staff they've worked out that the rough checkout age seems to be the early 30s. So they're losing quite a decent-sized chunk in the middle of, of most people's life stages, effectively. Now, it is roughly reflected through certain surveys and stuff in this country, and I think we can all conclude, you know, that's it's a life change. You get hit, get to that time where you have to start thinking about lifestyle and, and so on. I guess where I'm going with this is, considering we're not, unfortunately, right now considered an actual trade, that contributing to it, do you feel ABWAC can play its part in the future to to maybe help and keep some of this experiencing and maybe solving this issue? Yeah, I think actually ABWAC and Biaza hand in hand are, are, are stepping. You know, people, zookeepers are really skilled, really well needed. Without a zookeeper, you don't have a zoo. It's not the animals that are in the zoo because they'll all be dead unless you've got zookeepers looking after them. And let's be honest, zookeepers do a pretty phenomenal job. They don't just, you just touched on it just now about saying they're not just zookeepers, they're nutritionists, and there are a, a whole um, breadth of different jobs within the industry. But actually, a zookeeper has to be all of that. So has to be a nutritionist, has to be a behaviourist, because you have to know that animal doesn't look the same as it did yesterday. It looks a bit strange. Um, that animal didn't eat its food today. It doesn't like apple, it does like carrots. So, but without knowing it, you start to learn these traits of your animals, and then you start to learn why, how, you get interested in it. So that the, the breadth of skill for that alone is massive. We have some big leaders um, in the zoo industry that are pushing forwards with trying to make zoos, zookeeping, uh, jobs within zoos more professional, better paid, um, more thought after, well looked after. There are some zoos that look after their staff absolutely incredibly. There are some that that don't do it so well as and, and I think the industry certainly is changing slightly and will change massively yes ABWAC will be at the front kicking screaming and shouting because we're full of zookeepers who would like to be paid better for their services who put in long hours who are utterly dedicated towards those animals and if they have to stay and look after it all night um, you will know that more than anybody having to look after animals um, that need your care and attention, wh whether that's a hand rear, whether that's a CCTV checking in because you're checking on something, having a baby, whether you're checking on something that's sick or ill, or even whether you look after an animal that is actually on the poach list and you have alarms on their houses. The dedication for zookeepers is second to nobody in any other career, in my opinion. Totally. Now, I was going to say we're out of the big questions, but I think I'm going to chuck in one bonus question. You've got my mind going with one thing you just said, Terry. And that question is, 
connectivity we talk about networking it's partly what abrac represents is is about networking and, and sharing information this segment of podcast is all about the organizations out there how well are they networked how well do they communicate between abwac biaza and so on and and do you have any any spies from within do you have anyone like yourself who's maybe doing a, a dual role uh, there's a couple of us but i, I so i sit on the uh, board of trustees for biaza and obviously the council for abwac so i kind of fly both flags and if i feel that Biaza needs bigging up during an abwax situation I do that and, and vice versa um so yeah I get asked lots of questions but we we kind of run a, a little bit hand in hand sometimes we're vying for the top attention you know ABAC want to be better than Biaza Biaza are the industry leaders um for representing zoos so we have a crossover but we also have very different roles to play and we also have strong people within those roles that are fighting for the greater good so we do work hand in hand um, poor Bayaza have to deal with me and poor Abwak have to deal with me. So they've both got me shouting off the rooftops and trying to put, I would like to say, the opinion of the rest of the board across if we need looking at. But we certainly work um, well together. Yeah, I bet. Chucking the odd zebra here and there, I'm sure, as well, Terry. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Crazy zebra lady is all over it. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll happily admit now, I'm, I'll concede, that's the big questions completed. We've, we've made it through. We're onto the straight and narrow at the end. And that's what we call the quick fire round. Now, for the listeners, they will know very well, this is very much a two-way street. It'll either be a quick fire round, people get quite competitive, or I'm um, sure, Terry, you know the people I'm going to allude to by saying this. I can say a question and it may explode into conversation. So we'll, we'll see how we get on. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, we'll go for it. But the first one, I'm pretty sure I could answer this for you, but we'll, we'll say it anyway. What's your favourite animal? Plain zebra. A any reason? Uh, they are really cute and they're a family unit and they look after each other. That's why they're the best type of zebra. Yeah, very, very cool. Now, the, the next one is the best part of the industry. The people. The people are amazing. I've met such an amazing bunch of people. Oh, don't get me wrong. I've met a few Wallies along the way as well. But uh, on the whole, I have some real heroes in the zoo world. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Now, this one, I will admit, as I do in every podcast, it is there to stumble over. Unfortunately, it's not a quick fire question. And that is your top tip for mental health and well-being. Uh, singing. Actually, it's really quick because one of our guys gave a talk on it a couple of years ago. And I'm really going to struggle for his name. And I can see his face singing in the car apparently it's really good for your mental health and i am a singer and a dancer in the car believe me so yeah put your music up there you go amazing amazing now what is that one thing in the industry you feel we could maybe improve on uh pay pay you better pay you better look after you give you real professional status yeah for sure now this one could go anywhere and that is what zoo globally would you like to visit and why i think i'd like to visit all of the really big zoos in germany um, I haven't done hardly any. I do have a tick list for museums as well for going to see the quagga species that are in museums. There are about 17 around the world. So I've visited a few. Uh, I think my, my next top tip for the UK, I'd like to visit the off-show exhibit in Kensington uh, Natural History Museum. So in the UK, I think my favourite place to visit is Tring because it's got so many specimens. Favourite zoo, or oh, I put myself in such deep trouble if I said a favourite zoo in the UK, so everywhere that it's got plain zebras. But yeah, I think the big German zoos are certainly on my list, and any any zoo that I go on anywhere on holiday, if I can visit a local zoo. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. We've I've actually just come back last year from from Artisu from one of the Yaza conferences, and they say they've got a quagga ghost in their in their offices. So um, God knows what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Artisu and I've been to the offices, so I've not heard that. So that's interesting. Yeah, maybe trying to scare the younger keepers. <laughs> <laughs> now the next one, then, and I need you to put on your your mystic hat for this one, and that is in twenty to thirty years, do you still see zoos being the same as you see them today? I see them being better than they are today. I see them fighting really hard to educate people that without zoos, we wouldn't have quite such the interest in the wild animals that we do. And we're fundamentally part of introducing animals back into the wild when they have been extinct. Shavolsky wild horse, perfect example. Simitar and Oryx. I know they're two big mammal species, but they wouldn't be on the planet without zoos. And we've also got a really great charity called Nature Safe, which is up in Shropshire, and they are currently tissue banking so that nothing can go extinct because they could um, reintroduce those animals back into the world. So that's a, a really interesting charity to have a look at. So anyone that's listening to this, have a Google of Nature Safe. They're phenomenal. Yeah, some some great, great work. Now, this is one delving a little bit into, into I guess, your, your career or anything like that. And that is, who, in your opinion, is your idol within the industry? Doug Richardson. Dead easy, straight up. He's the best. Um, because you can talk to him about things and because he listens to you. Doug's always got an opinion, but he's always interested in hearing yours as well, recognises that his might not be the only way. In his experience, that's what he's done. But he's always got a question to ask as well, and he is always genuinely interested. So hands down. Yeah, an unlimited source of stories um, from his oh, from his past. definitely. <laughs> definitely. For sure. Now, the, the final one of these quick fire questions is, and this is, I say it every time, one of the hardest questions throughout the whole thing. And I think it might be for you, Terry. And that is, I want you to sum up the industry in only three words. Absolutely. Blooming amazing. I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm a woman of lots of words, um, probably too many most of the time. But yeah, I, I feel very honoured to be allowed to be part of this industry. Um, and I've worked hard to be to, to get there. But I've met amazing people on the way and it is a fantastic industry. Yes, it's hard graft and you do lose people in that time frame. And I think that comes in line with with pay, um, with people having a family um, and also having other opportunities as zookeepers and with the skills that you learn. And I've learned this recently by being offered a couple of jobs out of industry Um We've got amazing skills that can be transferred to different parts of the world as well. So you start as a zookeeper and then all of a sudden something comes along and you need more money or you need to do something different. And then you realize that you've got such an array of skills that are transferable into different industry. Um, and, and then, you you know, money can attract you to go and do that. No, totally, totally. Now, we are right at the end now, Terry, but especially in the position you're in, I'm going to now give you that platform Tell our lovely listeners why they should be joining ABWAC and becoming a member. Oh, you definitely should join ABWAC. It's 30 quid a year for a start. It's not even a lot of money. And a lot of your zoos will pay for you. So we get a lot of zoos. I've just done three lots of zoos. I'm going to do a shout out to Jimmy's Farm, uh, Jersey and Shepworth, who have just joined a big chunk of their keepers um, and paid for them. So don't be afraid to go and bully your zoo or, you know, ask very nicely to see if they will we do cut deals for big groups as well we're a massive 
um, group of people, again, across from associates to professionals. We've got a wealth of knowledge. We provide you with huge benefits and discounts for our workshops. The website that you get access to is absolutely brilliant. There's so much on there. And I haven't even touched on Rattel. Four times a year, you get a journal. You get the chance to write in the journal. Um, you know, I wrote for Rattel when I went to the Quagga Project in South Africa. Like I said at the beginning, I am not somebody who has been educated um, that particularly well. I'm dyslexic. I've got Asperger's and I've got ADHD. So I'm proper on the spectrum. I sit right out there. So, and I, you know, I wouldn't be overly confident with my academic abilities, but I've written for uh, Rattel. Doesn't matter how small an article you want to write, whether you want to write about your wombats doing square poos and why, or whether you want to go down the research project route um, and tell us all about the research that you've done. We've got two great editors. So our co-chair, Sam Whitbread um, and Roxy Newton-Crump, they are, Roxy is our co-editor. Brilliant, really helpful. We'll help you all the way. Rattel is absolutely brilliant as well. So four times a year, you get a journal land on your doorstep. Uh, at the moment, we might be a little bit of out of sync with the um, times that it comes to you, but you will get it. It's great to look forward to. Everybody should be a member of ABWAC uh, and you should all be pushing for your mates to be a member as well. Have a look. Have a look on the website. We've got a, a Facebook page. We've got a private Facebook page for professional members. We've got a good website. Um, and we've also got the ability for you just to pop on and ask questions as well. Most of us will answer something. Yeah, no, exactly that. And I say, I've been a member myself. I strongly encourage it. It is very worthwhile. And I partly hold my career down to the likes of an abwack and, and the networking opportunities. So, uh, yeah, long let, let that live on. So, Oh, thank you, James. Very much so. And I think I can speak on behalf of myself and, and all the listeners. It's been really, really nice listening to your story and, and coming on speaking all about Abrax. So thank you so much for coming on, Terry. You are very welcome. Thank you for listening and um, have a great day. And, and everyone else who's listening, have a great day too. Yeah, no, thank you, Terry. We'll hopefully get you on again very, very soon. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. And that concludes this week's episode. What an amazing guest and an amazing time we had. Now, if you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe on Instagram, Facebook or our podcast channels to Zookeeping 101. I can't express how thankful I am personally from a fellow zookeeper to have you along for this quite amazing journey, learning about everything zookeeper. Otherwise, please subscribe. Thank you for listening and see you very, very soon. Bye.